to build, what to build. Oh, come on, Lucy. Wow, you're a builder. You're a maker. You're a... <gasps> I got it! Tool call. Hammer. Hammer. Wrench. Wrench. Drill. Drill. Great job, Kapow. Great job, Kapow. Oh, no, wait, that's me. Great job, Lucy Wow. Oh, brother. Now all we have to do is turn this thing on. Let the show begin. Oh, hi there. It's me, Kapow, the mechanical pygmy goat, beaming to your earbuds all the way from Pflugerville. You probably know me as Lucy Wow's sidekick, though some people are more familiar with my accomplishments as a world champion eater of sneakers, high tops, boots, and flip-flops. Oh, I just got hungry. I'm also an expert on the subject of invention. It surprises some people that I can be so many things, but trust me, there are no limits in this world. You can be a toolbox and a boombox, a cool sidekick, and an eater of cool kicks. <laughs> Which brings us to today's inventor, Hedy Lamar. Hedy was, like me, a lot of things. She was an amazing inventor. She was also a movie star. Let's see how she was able to become both. Hedy was born in Vienna, Austria in 1914. Her original last name was Kiesler, but that was changed later in life to Lamar. As a child, Heidi was fascinated by theater and film, but she also loved science and invention. So while she spent a lot of her time competing in and winning beauty contests as a child, she also spent time with her father in the local forest, where he would explain how the world, nature, and technology worked. Hedy attended a private school where she received piano, ballet, language, and science lessons. And as she grew older, her love for both arts and science grew with her equally. But like I said earlier, sometimes the world expects you to choose. So after school, she decided to focus on acting. She acted in a number of Austrian, German, and Czech films, and soon was a European movie star. During this time, she also got married to an Austrian weapon maker who taught her a great deal about how weapons and ammunition work. So there she was, 23 successful, famous, and rich, but she wasn't happy. Why not? Because back then, there was a hateful movement growing against the Jewish people called Nazism. And Hedy's husband was a part of it. He demanded she renounce her heritage, but Hedy wasn't about to let ignorance, fear, and hate change who she was. So instead, she stayed true to herself and escaped to America. Soon she had signed a contract with MGM Studios where she was promoted as the world's most beautiful woman. With a promotion like that, it didn't take long for Hetty to become a star in America. But as her star rose in Hollywood, the Nazis rose to power in Europe. Hetty wasn't able to enjoy her American success while so many people, including her fellow Jews, were suffering in Europe. So she turned her attention to helping America fight the Nazis in World War II. Back then, the news was filled with stories about the horror of the war. But one story in particular caught Hetty's attention. The Nazi army was successfully stopping the American Navy's radio-controlled torpedoes. Hetty went straight to her friend George Enthiel with an idea. 
George was a composer at MGM Studios, which means he wrote music for movies. But like Hetty, he was also a scientist. Hetty's idea was to create a system that constantly changed radio frequencies, making it difficult for the Nazis to decode the messages that controlled the torpedoes. This would give the American Navy an advantage. With Hetty's intelligence, backed with her knowledge of weapons from her ex-husband, plus Anthiel's passion for radio, their system was a quick success. The problem was, the Navy refused to accept it. Not only did the invention come from a civilian, it came from a movie star. How could a movie star possibly come up with something so complex and ahead of its time? As the invention sat unused, Hetty continued on in Hollywood and found other ways to help with the war effort, such as performing for troops overseas and raising money for veterans. But over time, her patented invention caught the attention of scientists around the world. After World War II had ended, in the 1950s, the Navy finally adopted the technology. But as radio torpedoes grew obsolete, the technology that Hetty invented stayed current and useful. In fact, the methods described in her patent assisted greatly in the development of Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. That's right! If Hetty hadn't taken time away from being a movie star to help the U.S. Navy fight Nazis, you wouldn't be able to listen to this podcast like you are now! Hetty Lamar never had any formal training, yet she never let that stop her from changing the world. She was able to incorporate her life experiences and artistic imagination into one of the most important inventions of the technological age. But despite all this, the Lamar and Teal duo was not recognized or rewarded for their work for decades. Finally, in 2014, they got their credit and were inducted into the National Inventors Hall of Fame. And you know what? She also got a star on Hollywood Boulevard. But there's one thing Hetty could never do. Play music out of her butt! <laughs> That's a Kapow specialty. Hello, one and all, it's me, Kapow, the mechanical pygmy goat, coming to you live from Lucy Wow's barn in Pflugerville. Now, you may know me best as Lucy's sidekick, or you may know me as Pflugerville's prince of the pygmy polka. That's right, nobody can polka like Kapow. But today, I won't be dancing, I'll be hosting, as we discuss my favorite subject, invention. Now, you may be thinking, why does Kapow love invention so much? Well, my friends, I'll tell you why. I love invention because I was invented. That's right, every inch of me, from my body made of tools to my butt that plays music like a boombox, was invented by Lucy Wow. How could I not love inventions when I am one? Inventions are everywhere, and so are inventors. In fact, you might be an inventor yourself and not even know it. Anyone from anywhere can be an inventor, which brings us to today's invention. Walter Elias Disney, or as you may know him, Walt Disney. Walt Disney thought imagination was so important that he called himself and his co-workers Imagineers. But we are getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> Walt was born in Chicago, Illinois in 1901. He fell in love with art as a youngster and started taking art classes while still in elementary school. In a few years' time, he was so good that he was able to trade his drawings for haircuts. Walt had clearly found his calling, but before he could go from buzz cut to buzz light year, he had some living to do. 
World War I had just broken out, but Walt was 16 and too young to join the army. So instead, he dropped out of school and joined the Red Cross, and spent the next year driving ambulances in France. By the time Walt returned from the army, he was itching to get back to art. So he took a job drawing pictures for an advertising company. This job is where Walt met a fellow artist named Ub Iwerks. Ub was a cutting edge artist, and he taught Walt about a new kind of art that had just been invented. Animation. Animation is when you take a bunch of still drawings and then show them one after the other so fast that it looks like a moving picture. Walt started to imagine all of the possibilities that this new technology would allow and got so excited that the next thing you know, he'd start a company called Laughogram with Ub. Together, they began creating short animated cartoons. Now, although the cartoons weren't popular, the business didn't make enough money, and sadly, Walt had to declare bankruptcy. But don't worry, failure never stops an inventor like Walt. So, in 1923, he moved to Hollywood and opened a new business with his brother Roy called Disney Brothers Studio. He brought Ub along as well, and together, they started making animated shorts again. Soon, they developed a popular character named Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, and this time, the business was a success. Ah. However, while Oswald might have been a lucky rabbit, Walt's luck was about to run out. Universal Studios gained control of the Oswald trademark and then took all of the Disney Brothers animators except for Ub, leaving Walt without a team or a character. Once again, Walt had to come up with something totally new. Fortunately, Walt still had plenty of imagination left in the tank and he quickly created a new character. This time, it was a mouse named Mickey. Mickey Mouse, you ever heard of him? <laughs> yeah, I thought so. Walt realized that even though Mickey was a great character, he needed something special to make a big splash with his next film. So he came up with what was the first animated film to have sound. It was called Steamboat Willie and starred Mickey and Minnie Mouse. Walt voiced the characters and people loved it. So he just kept dreaming up new characters and soon Mickey and Minnie were hanging out with Donald Duck, Goofy and Pluto. In 1932, Walt decided he wanted to make a full-length animated film, which turned out to be Snow White. It took five years to complete the film, and people didn't believe anyone would want to see it. But Walt ended up being the one laughing since Snow White was the top film in 1938, just like Walt had imagined. Walt used the money from Snow White to build a movie studio and to produce more animated movies, including Pinocchio, Fantasia, Dumbo, Bambi, Alice in Wonderland, and Peter Pan. The whole world was getting to look at Walt's imagination, and they loved it. But Walt wasn't satisfied just making things people could watch and hear. He wanted to make something people could feel, smell, and touch. He imagined a place that would feel like you were in his movies. And you know, Walt, he was never one to be satisfied just imagining something. He had to build it. His newest creation was Disneyland and built in Anaheim, California. No one had ever done anything like it before. And once again, people thought he was crazy. But Walt was confident and spent over $17 million of his own money building a castle, a storybook land, and a jungle cruise in that Southern California orange grove. The rest, as they say, is history. 
Walt's movie and theme parks are enjoyed by billions of people every year, and the Disney name is one of the most famous in the world. Not bad for a kid with nothing but a bit of imagination. Oh, hi there! Welcome back to Pflugerville! It's me, Kapow, the mechanical pygmy goat, beaming into your ears all the way from Lucy Wow's barn. You know, being Lucy Wow's psychic is a lot of fun, but also a lot of work. Every day is a new adventure in building and invention. But luckily, I've mastered the art of the power nap, which means I still have plenty time for projects of my own, like... Uh, ha, huh? What happened? Oh, sorry, power nap! <laughs> Where was I? Oh, right! My special side project. This podcast dedicated to my favorite subject, invention. Why is invention my favorite subject? Well, because I am an invention. That's right. Lucy Wow invented me in order to add a little kapow to her wow. Speaking of wow, the story of today's inventor is wow and a half. Let's see, I guess that would be a wow wow. This inventor's name is Paul Wilczynski. He invented the artificial heart. But hey, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's start at the beginning. Paul was born in New York City on December 21st, 1922. His grandparents were Jewish immigrants from Europe. As a child, Paul wanted to become a doctor, but the depression, which was a time when people across the world lost all their money, wiped out any chance of his family paying for medical school. Then, at age 13, Paul contracted polio, a very serious disease that could have killed him. Luckily, Paul survived the disease. And while recovering, he happened upon a magazine advertisement offering a ventriloquism kit for 10 cents. Now, ventriloquism is the art of talking without moving your lips. Ventriloquists use this skill to make it seem like puppets or dummies are talking. Like the Muppets, for example. Now, it's very important that a ventriloquist's dummy's eyes and mouth can be moved by a single hand. The best way of making this work is by using a system of valves and chambers that connect to the ventriloquist's fingers. Remember that detail. It'll be important later in the story. Paul became obsessed with this new skill, and soon he had created his own dummy. Paul named his creation Jerry Mahoney and started putting together a comedy act that used his newly acquired ventriloquism abilities. Paul and Jerry became a hit, and by the age of 14, Paul started touring across America, making people laugh. Paul and Jerry were so popular on stage that they got asked to be on the radio and then TV. By the 1950s, Paul and Jerry had their own TV show, The Paul Winchell and Jerry Mahoney Show, sponsored by Tootsie Roll. Yum. In 1968, Paul started doing voices for cartoons. Now, I don't know about you, but I think voice actors are the coolest people in the world. And Paul was the coolest of the cool. He did voices for all sorts of characters, from Gargamel on the Smurfs to Tigger in Disney's Winnie the Pooh. Paul was now a part of Hollywood, and that got him invited into a TV competition show where he beat another TV star, Ricardo Maltoban, in a dance-off. Why do I mention this little moment? Because this dance-off led to a dinner party invitation, and at that meal, he was introduced to Dr. Henry Heimlich, a man known for inventing a maneuver that stops people from choking. The two men hit it off, 
and Heimlich invited Paul to come watch a surgery he was performing the next day. Paul had never forgotten his dream of becoming a doctor, and so he went. And while watching the surgery, Paul had the idea for an artificial heart. But Paul wasn't a doctor, of course. But remember how I told you a dummy works by using valves and chambers to move the eyes and mouth? Well, the heart works with valves and chambers too. So Paul tried building an artificial heart in his dummy workshop. With a lot of hard work and the help of Heimlich, Paul was successful. By 1956, he had designed the world's first artificial heart. Paul couldn't believe his success and was inspired to continue trying to save lives through invention. During the course of his life, he would work on projects for the Leukemia Society and the American Red Cross. It's fitting that Paul invented the heart because he had such a big one. He truly cared about making the world a better place. And it was this belief that led Paul to never stop trying new things. Paul's story just goes to show if you want to make the world a better place, it's always worth a try. And always say yes to a dance-off. Well, folks, we've come to the end of another Kapow's Power of Invention podcast. Come back tomorrow when I'll be covering more inventors and inventions. And while you're waiting, you do realize there are just a slew of shows that take place in Pflugerville, right? It's true! There's Bobby Wonder, who's trying to protect Pflugerville from Mighty Mila, and Lucy Wow over in the Big Red Barn, inventing all sorts of cool stuff with her mechanical pygmy goat Kapow! Hey, that's me! Lucy goes big, and then she goes bigger! Oh, and if you like strange and spooky stories, you should check out R.L. Stein's Story Club. That's a real winner. I'm in the club, so I get to hear all the stories. And you can too! Keep on the lights, folks! Just search for Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, or R.L. Stein's Story Club, wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll find your way. I get a lot of excitement as Lucy Wow's sidekick. Sometimes it overwhelms me and I just... Well, you know, faint! Well, today I got the most exciting news, and I, and I, oh, easy kapow, deep breaths, <laughs> don't faint! <sighs> I'm on a t-shirt and a hoodie and a sticker, and I'm famous! The most famous mechanical pygmy goat to ever live! Go to gokidgo.com and check me out! Lucy Wow merchandise is now available, and you know you need more kapow in your life! Until next time, this is Kapow signing off! Go Kid Go! Go Kid Go!